Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Fed Head Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Recently, your boss, I can say this because he's your boss, he was very disappointed that he had not been invited to be on Fed Heads yet. He mentioned that to me a couple, <laughs> two, three hundred times. Yeah. Did he ever mention it in a performance review by any chance? Because that when, that's when you know it's serious. Every time I'm talking to my boss, it's a performance review. Coincidentally, one of our guests today on Fed Heads is your boss. Carlos Otal. Oh, it's there great. we go. Oh, oh hey, Carlos. <laughs> hey, what a coincidence that you were able to make it into FedHeads today. It's great yeah. to have you. In just over a dozen, you know, <laughs> sessions so far, right? We so. waited for just the right time. Okay. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that it was very specifically keyed to an important issue in the federal business landscape. More importantly, would you have wanted to participate in this when it was grape juice or now that it's a fine wine? It's, it has aged nicely, gentlemen. <laughs> wow. So. That's, that's probably the best descriptor for the Fed heads that I've heard that has aged nicely. Would you like another glass? Mm, no, I think <laughs> I'll skip it for now. Uh, I'm a teetotaler, but that's uh, beside the point. Uh, also with us today is Jason Miller, the executive editor at Federal News Radio, my former colleague there. It's great to see you, my friend. And this is my first podcast. Really? Well, except for the ones I do. Well, but you, but so you do a show at Federal News Radio that I have really enjoyed all the years that I was there, and now that I'm out, I uh, called Ask the CIO, which I think is a tremendous addition to all of this discussion that's going on. All right, and we actually turn that into a podcast. Like everybody takes anything that's on the radio now, basically mm-hmm. becomes a, a downloadable thing. Yeah. So yeah, so no, this is great, but this is my first guest appearance of someone else's podcast, so I'm oh. excited. So we can grill you, especially since Robert Shea's here because he is the funniest guy in government. That's, that's no longer in government. That's but he's still in the, in the whole space, so he, he counts. He is the space. And it's a short list. <laughs> it's a short list. <laughs> of funny people? Yes, in government. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take your word for that. <laughs> so you recently, to, to just symbolize how incestuous this whole <laughs> operation is, you recently interviewed Carlos. He appeared in one of your stories about what? Well, I have a new show called Views from the Corner Office where uh, I was looking at the market and said, who's talking to the head of federal, if you will, of these big companies? And uh, uh, basically nobody. So I said, let me do a monthly show. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robert actually was kind enough. I I mentioned it to Robert. He goes, you should talk to Carlos. And I said, I'd love to talk to Carlos. And and Robert made it happen. And we sat down in 45 minutes, an hour in your office. And uh, it was a nice corner office, by the way. That's the way it should be for the title of the show. Works out. And uh, there was a fascinating conversation. I've done now, I guess, four of these with different vendors. And and each show, I've learned something new, different take. Uh, And uh, Carlos and I, we had a tremendous conversation hit upon a, a bunch of different topics and my favorite part of the show generally speaking is learning something about the person that I didn't know mm-hmm. we can talk technology we can talk services we can talk acquisition but when you learn about somebody the person behind it that, that's been fascinating so I think that concept sounds a thousand times better than a show that used to air on that station called industry chatter which was terrible and the host was not that smart 
Well, I can take a little bit of credit for that show. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a great show. Well, it was a good idea (laughs) that was was poorly (laughs) executed by someone who used to work there. I don't know who that person could be. The self-flagellation is really tedious. So So we can just move on from that. Carlos, what do you think is the maybe the most important or maybe two or three most important trends that are happening now for a company like yours and the way that you serve the federal government? So I, I think a couple of things, and I think there's been sea changes in a couple of areas. Like one is around technology and innovation. And, you know, if you were to look back five years ago, even less in some cases, talking to a government CIO or anybody in government about being on the leading edge of technology, they didn't want to talk about it. They were more than happy to wait for industry to to work out the kinks and new technologies. And I think those days are gone. Our clients want to know about innovation. They want to know about AI and machine learning, uh, robotics, and, and, and they're more willing to experiment with these things as well. And I, so I think that's definitely uh, one thing that's changed. Um, another, and I think I might have touched upon this in, in, the, in the Jason interview, um, is the fact that um, being more like commercial, being more like business. And again, if you were to go back five years ago, you couldn't, a customer didn't want to know about, well, here's what they're doing in commercial. Here's what's going on uh, in business. They're, we're the government. We're different. And that's not the thinking anymore. And and it's really these, those two things taken together, I think, are really changing the way that we approach the market and how we what we what we're bringing to solve our clients' problems. What do you think has driven that those changes? Because I, I see the same things that you do, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what's driven that mentality. Is it maybe a generational change in the kinds of leaders who are running these organizations? Or is it directives from the last administration or this one? Or where do you think that's coming from? I think it can come from a multitude of places. I think one is certainly this administration has stressed uh, many of these things. But I don't think that's really the thing. That might have been what pushed it over the edge. Um, I think one thing is how we all experience these things in our own daily lives, right? Our expectations of what we're able to do on a phone. Right. And the speed at which we're able to do it, to download an app, to to go through some process, to pay a bill, to submit our taxes. These are things that now we expect out of everything that we do. And, and, and we expect in our experiences with government. And, you know, as a as a business person, these are the kind of things that I'm looking to take advantage of. And I think government, you know, executives are also saying the same thing. Why, why couldn't we? Why shouldn't we deliver these in a more innovative fashion? Why shouldn't it just be an app? How are we, ser- how are we really serving our constituents, be it the student, be it the veteran? Um, so I think those are, everybody's individual's expectations have changed, so hence uh, we've changed. And I think lastly, it is a factor, it was a factor of the budget. I mean, trying to figure out not how to do more with less because – we were done with that, you know, after sequestration. It was doing less with less. And the only way we're going to be able to do less with less is to be innovative and to apply technologies that we hadn't been applying in, in the past. And so I think this, this culmination of these three things are really what's driving it. So, Jason, in your interview with Carlos, you got to ask the questions. I'm not sure how much you got to react. <laughs> you, you, you spend more time with the IT community 
the federal IT community and just about anybody. What's your reaction to what Carlos said? Is that the way you're seeing it, or is government still a little bit behind the eight ball when adopting new technology? I think Carlos hits it right on the head in, in several reasons. The first one is, if you think back to, Robert, when you are at OMB as an example, and people start talking about cyber tools and they talk about moving to new models for procurement or, or you know, sharing savings as an example back in the government act. And they tried to kind of have these ideas that have been out there and nobody, people were kind of stand standoffish. Well, I'm not sure we can make it work or I'm not sure it can work. And then as you move into the early 2010s and, and cloud became, I think cloud was the launching point to get people going, going, oh, I can see the the what if, the value. And then uh, to Carlos's point with robotics process automation, I just did a, an interview with NASA Shared Services Office, and they were, they jumped right in. They have five bots working as an example of, of people just not just going, well, we'll try one, but they have five. And they're, they're using these, these moving people to what the administration now calls low, out of low value work to high value work. And I've been just surprised but but pleasantly impressed as well by the the quickness that, that they're looking at blockchain or they're looking at robotics process automation or, or they're even looking at other things that you know three five seven years ago we would have been like as an emerging technology no no not yet but are they looking at them using them not just looking okay but are they using them in in your view seriously or are they using and i don't mean frivolously is probably not the right word but just are, are they doing stuff that's mission critical or are they doing stuff that is tangential to the mission but could maybe someday possibly lead to something? Because you and I have seen many times that agencies will kind of play around the edges a little bit before they're really comfortable jumping in. It sounds like they're jumping in, which is good. So I think they're jumping in, but as we saw with cloud as an example, low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. right? So if you think, well, let me use my NASA example. It's just that's top of mind. One of the things that they're doing is saying, well, could we process as we accept grant applications? Can we do the create the grant file through a robot instead of having the the, the NAS employee come in and then have to grab all the data, scan it in, print it out, create the file? Could that be done automatically? So it's a low hanging fruit. It's an easy win, but it's a it's the proof of concept that is mattering today versus what I think you saw before was proof of concepts that, okay, well, we'll stop here, then we'll yeah. reassess, and then we'll decide or not. I mean, do you, do you see I, the, the, I, the innovation I, side? Exactly, and I think a lot of it is because you can do it in small chunks. And so I think pretty soon you're just going to see it's going to be ubiquitous and there's going to be bots everywhere. Now, managing that is another story, but um, I think this that we're seeing it actually put into real practice and it making a difference. Um, they're just not playing at the margins. And so, yes, they're piloting, and, and then they're, but then they're going and figuring out, okay, what did we learn? And then they're moving. And you can do that very quickly with the technologies that are out there today, and particularly, as Jason said, it, it, things that are in the cloud make it that much easier. And that's the difference, I'd yes. say, between now and 10 or 15 years ago, is the, 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 the ability to make it to bring something up quickly, and then if it doesn't work, take it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we hear that all the time about the cloud, yeah. but that's like, well, apps or development, but really it's, it's these innovations that, that can be done. You know, if you think about, Robert, back in the mid-2000s, I mean, to, you stand up a server, to buy the server, to get the server going. I mean, that just... It was such a long process that nobody it was that's why I think they were more around the edges. So is maybe the story here, the broader story, the fact that the Obama administration's agile development model has not only paid dividends for IT development, but has kind of brought a new worldview to the way that 
organizations want to approach these kinds of things. Because if you if you couldn't do it, to your point, Carlos, if you couldn't do it in small chunks, some of this stuff, as Jason just said, isn't really practical or isn't achievable. And so that idea strikes me as maybe the most important thing is that the idea that we can try something and if it doesn't work, move on is kind of the the underlying the underpinning concept of all of this stuff how often do they move on i mean that's the well that's the other question <laughs> i think you know look your ability to provision these things very quickly the technologies aren't new right so the things how you're deploying robotics these are things that we were using you know 10 15 years ago these tools and so but now we're able to employ them in a much different fashion uh, and because of the speed at which we can provision the cloud and make with minimal investment right so as in Jason's example the previous example is yeah to go provision the servers and get it all stood up and you know get that contract through that was a monumental effort right and now you can quickly provision a server and bring it up and bring it down when you're done with it and you're only paying for what you use and on those servers are technologies that are just going to be ubiquitous right so when you when you look at um, uh, blockchain right and robotics if you look at the vendors who are who are providing the cloud these are just becoming part of the stack that's in there so it's not like you you know if you want to experiment with blockchain it's in the stack that's being offered by the cloud providers now mm -hmm. so we've so. talked around an example of how technology has leapt over overcome some of the barriers of the procurement process you run a medium-sized growing business that serves federal government agencies you cover this industry from both of your perspectives talk about what it's like to operate in this environment, to be in the business of selling services to the government. I consider it being part of the public sector. Not everybody agrees. What, what would you say to that? At the end of the day, how I view what we do is we, we serve the constituents of these agencies. So we're trying to make government work more efficiently and effectively for the veteran, for the student, for the homeless, right? These are the things that, that we're passionate about. We could take our skill sets and go to a lot of other industries, and I've done it. I've worked in financial services as well. You don't get the same feeling, Robert, of helping a um, Fortune 500 company bring more to their bottom line than you do in helping VA uh, better serve the veterans. And so I go home at night sleeping much better and knowing that I've helped do, do good. The one thing that I've seen over, over 20 years of doing this now is, is as a journalist, my goal has always been to make a difference, right? And when, when you can write a story that helps someone do their job better or you can uh, do an interview that lets somebody understand a topic, a new, a new policy, a new law just a little better, that, that's the reward. And, and I think just to follow on what Carlos was saying, I think the industry is, is, does the same thing. Now, there's a profit motive, and I don't think anyone would argue that's bad. Um, and I think that I've never met like people in government, like never met people in industry who are out for themselves, who are not there to, to better the public good. And I think that's the differentiating factor for me as a journalist, as we cover, is we're part of this community, and the community includes vendors, includes academia, includes industry, includes government, includes media. And I think that's a much different perspective than maybe 
other people in the media who, who are outside in. I don't think there are two voices that better represent what the podcast is all about. No, I think you're exactly right. Um, last subject is what you're watching. You do, Jason, I think probably some of the best reporting in our space in your Inside the Reporter's Notebook column. I've been a big fan of it for a long time. Um, and I miss the opportunities that we had on the radio to talk about that. What in that notebook in particular and in your reporting in general is on your radar screen as maybe the most important things that people in our space should pay attention to in the next six months? I think that one of the biggest things is is what happens around the budget. I think uh, we'll be paying attention to what comes through the NDAA in terms of policy changes. We're seeing a big push from the House Armed Services Committee specifically to change procurement, to, to give innovation tools to DOD. And I always like to say, uh, like, fashion starts on the West Coast and goes East, or East Coast and goes West. Because you are a fashion I'm a fashion Everyone major. that knows you knows. I try, to, I try to, me and Robert talk about socks all the time. Mm, Check out our Twitter feed for Sock Bro uh, with Adam Hughes. <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, the audience will agree that's a handsome shirt you're wearing. Well, uh, if they could only see. <laughs> Oh, a, a face made a for podcasting. Yeah. Thank you, Francis. <laughs> right. Um, the the whatever starts in duty tends to trickle down to the civilian world. So I think that's what we spend a lot of time. And then I think this push from the administration on shared services and IT modernization is going to be fascinating. I, I think there's still a, a ton of obstacles that will make shared services go. The the first big piece is the payroll uh, RFP that they put out. So we're gonna we'll have plenty to follow. Carlos, what's on your radar screen? Did I steal it? You... I just roll my eyes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which one? I the shared services shared piece? Services like we've, we've been there with payrolls, the easy one, because we've already had those successes. I, I, it's, it's a big lift. And honestly, I think with shared services without a mandate, we're not going to get very far. We've been talking about this for 20 years. And so I really think it's time to have a mandate and make this happen. That's worthy so. topic for another show. I'll, I'll put you down as well, undecided. Why, why I, can I ask Robert a question? <laughs> of course. Why don't you, uh, when you're at OMB, create the mandate beyond payroll? Why don't you throw the hammer down? Uh, w- well, but we felt like we did and just got a lot accomplished with payroll by just, consolidating just payroll. the systems we did. But, but, uh, what about the but moving further, we should have. We should have. We didn't get anywhere beyond payroll, and we're now, what, 15 years beyond. So I do think uh, – uh, agencies, the government as a whole responds much more nimbly to something that's written in black and white by people who matter. That's a great place to end it. Uh, Carlos Otal, thanks very much for joining us on Fed Heads. Sorry that it's taken us, what, a, a dozen or more episodes to get you here, but we'll have you back again in 13 episodes, 14 episodes. Well, thank you guys. Uh, you know, what, can, I, can I just add one little thing? Of course. I lear- we learned today that Robert's a comedian. Okay. We did? We did. When, uh, last, last, based on what? Episodes, it's very dry, by the way. Very it's dry, a dry right? sense of humor. But uh, we've also learned, right, that Ro- Robert is a fighter. Yes. Okay. Yes. No, not a lover. No. Challenged me to a fight a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I think Robert's uh, a lover. No. And so he didn't I'm, love I'm, me I'm, that day. I'm, take, I'm taking inventory oh. of all of the things that that that, ro- that are Robert. Oh, that's uh, terrific! I, all this, I told so. you every day is a performance <laughs> review, <laughs> a window into his yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, and Jason Miller of Federal News Radio, it's great to see you again, my friend. Thanks for coming in. Always my pleasure, Francis. Robert, thanks again for another great episode of Fed Heads. Great to be with you, and thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. 
Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 